2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. This saying is trustworthy. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's probably because Karen and I are nearing retirement, but we've been doing a lot more reminiscing than normal. And uh, one of the things that she brought up my attention to, we have this picture, it was our Christmas card, but this picture's on our wall now, and it was the latest picture of our entire family. It's already outdated because this week our 15th grandchild was born. And so that's a, such a blessing. But we were looking at that, and she came and said, do you realize I had a heart attack where I died? I happened to be visiting a hospital at the time, and they were able to bring me back, and I recovered But she said, do you realize that if you had died with that heart attack and they had not been able to bring you back, that only three of these grandchildren would have ever known their papa because 12 have been born since 2010. So I thought about that. There was a a, a hymn, a stanza of a great hymn, Amazing Grace, that came to my mind. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Have you noticed that we do tend to go to songs, to hymns, to find the deepest words to express our soul and our faith? Uh, Paul taught us to do that in Colossians 3, verse 16. He said, now you're to teach each other the word through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And this is hard for me as a preacher to admit, but can I just be honest? I doubt there's anybody in this room can remember what I preached two weeks ago when I was in this pulpit but you can remember the words of the great hymns. For instance, you may not remember a single Christmas message you've ever heard in church, but you can sing from your heart the great Christmas carols that are Christian carols. Uh, You may not be able to express deep theology, but if you have sung one of the great new hymns in Christ alone, you've expressed incredible theology. Let me just read you one verse of that great hymn. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. Incredible doctrine in that hymn that we sing. Now, the reason I'm saying this right now, I've entitled this this sermon, Singing the Truth, is because verses 11 through 13 in chapter 2 are a hymn that the early church was singing at that time. We're, We're now 35 years after the resurrection. The church has been around a while. And so by this time, they have hymns that they would sing. Uh, and it would be, I guess, expected that a preacher would quote a hymn. I've quoted two already and the sermon's hardly gotten started. So preachers love to quote hymns that everybody knows. And you can tell it's a hymn two ways. If you have a newer translation, you'll see that it's indented in poetry form. Uh, Colossians 1, Philippians 2 has sections like this that are, that are hymns that the early church was singing. But another reason that you can tell it's a hymn is just listen to it. It's got that metrical sound. If we died with him. We will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Can't you almost feel it musically? Now, we don't have the the actual tune that was used. We just have the words. But it's obvious that it was one of the great early Christian hymns. 
Now, a lot of scholars believe that this particular hymn was a hymn that was sung when people were baptized. Uh, it pictures great biblical truth. Romans 6, verse 4 says this, Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism to rise to walk in newness of life. So let me give you some truths right now from this text. Four truths from this song that the early Christians sang. Number one, you have to die to really live in the Christian life. You have to die to really live in the Christian life. If we died with him, we will live with him. That's what baptism pictures. Buried with him in baptism to rise, to walk in newness of life. Somehow, I don't understand it, folks, but somehow when Jesus died, I died with him. Somehow when Jesus rose, I rose again with him, that I'm dead to the old way of life. I'm now alive to him. And that's what baptism pictures. It's, we announce to the world, the old Scoggins is gone. There's a new one around. Now, can I just say this, folks? It's a matter of archaeological fact, biblical fact. The early church practiced baptism by immersion. That was the way it was. I can prove that because every early church building that was built, and they didn't start building them to the 300s because of persecution. But every early church building has an immersion pool. This particular one that you're looking at now, it was found in a church building that was uncovered in the southern part of Israel right now. Uh, it dates to about 320 AD. And if you'll notice, it's got the form of a cross in the baptismal pool. You walked in it, and because it says we died with him, you literally are immersed in a pool that's in the shape of a cross. I'm buried with him the way he died with, I died with him. I'm now risen to walk in news of life. I rose with him. So you see that it was picturing the death and the burial, not only of Christ, but our death with him. Now you need to understand folks that baptism is still very important. Uh, let me give you some good news. Just this last year in May, in California, uh, people went back to, re, to, to, to redo a great memory from the past. In 1971, both Luke Magazine and Time Magazine did a feature article on the Jesus Movement. Um, this is one of the pictures. In fact, I bought both magazines and did it for a paper in 1972 in college. And so I clipped this, this kind of art. Uh, last year, there was a movie called The Jesus Revolution about how God used... This is amazing to me. Look at this picture. He's a bald-headed fat, middle-aged guy who's reaching hippies for Jesus. Now, isn't that God? And, uh, and they, they featured a baptismal in the Time Magazine article at a place called Pirate's Cove there in California in the ocean that uh, had a 1,000 people baptized. Well, let me tell you what happened this year and last year in May. On May 28, 2023, 8,000 people showed up at Pirate's Cove. Pirate's Cove. It was sponsored by 280 churches and they set an all-time record in America for the most baptisms in one day. They baptized over 4,100 baptisms. You can actually see it on YouTube. They actually recorded the worship music that was done that day there on the coast. And all that was inspired by that movie, Jesus Revolution. They went back to the same place and they did this baptism. Do you want to know how long that record lasted? Less than 10 days. Because on June 5th, Greg Laurie, he was featured in the movie, Jesus Revolution, went back to that same Pirate's Cove, and in one day, they baptized over 4,500. Get this, folks, in California. <laughs> We're talking 8,600 plus people baptized in 10 days 
in California last year. Doesn't that give you, you reason to rejoice? And doesn't that echo that from the Bible, baptism is important? I will just say this. Our next scheduled baptism is February 11th. If you'd like to be a part of that, go to the hospitality suite and let us know. And we'll be talking to you about showing your witness for the Lord in that. But what's behind baptism is a spiritual truth that we need to live out every day of our life. I died with Christ and I rise to walk with him. We who died with him, we will live with him, is what this great hymn sang in 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. There's a sense in which you don't just die once. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Then he said to them all, If anyone, anyone wants to come follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. So please understand this. This is a principle that's found in the teaching of Jesus, found in, in the epistles, that there's a sense in which you don't start living until you die. And what that means is, for most of us, right at the beginning of our Christian life, there's a decisive moment when you just die to self and you say, I'm now living for Christ. I, I remember the first time I died in that dramatic way. I was in the ninth grade. Um, I'd been going to some campus crusade meetings. I, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to follow Christ. But what held me back was I was so afraid of what people would think of me. I wanted to be popular. And so I fought against this and fought against this until I went to a winter retreat. And on that winter retreat, out by myself, I finally came and said, God, that's it. I'm done. I, I, I died of self. From now on, it's not going to be about what they think about Scoggins. From now on, it's going to be all about Jesus. And it's amazing how when I came to that point where I made him Lord, I died to self, it was as if a burst of his power came into my life and my life was changed. But, but not only that, there have been dramatic times after that that I've had to die. Uh, in my church in Georgia, one of the two churches, I had a difficult time. I'll never forget after being there four or five months on a Wednesday night, we were having our normal Baptist monthly business meeting. I was moderating it and I had only heard of meetings like this, but I witnessed it with my own eyes. It erupted into anger. I mean, people were yelling and arguing and a lot of the yelling was aimed at me and it went on for 45 minutes with nothing being resolved. And finally, one of the godly men I have in the church simply stood up and said, folks, we're not doing any good. I make a motion that we adjourn. And so we just went home, nothing resolved. And I went home that night and for the first time in my life, I experienced cl clinical depression. Uh, Churchill calls it the black dog. It got a grip on me. And for Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to leave the house. Finally, on Saturday, I turned to Karen and said, I'm not doing any good here. I went to the church, to the sanctuary, and I just got before the Lord. And this is what I said, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. I just want to die. Now, I heard God, now not audibly, but sometimes it's even louder than audibly. But I heard God say to me, okay, write it down. This is the day Steve Scoggins died. It doesn't matter what they say about Steve Scoggins because you're dead. It doesn't matter what they do to Steve Scoggins because you're dead. And when I came to that point where I, Luke 9, 23, picked up my cross that day, his power flooded in. I went to the pulpit the next day and preached. And folks, we literally had hundreds of folks come down to the altar as, as I closed that sermon the next day. 
We have to die. We have to die daily. Can I just be honest with you? I died this morning. I had to, in the presence of God, come and die to self once again. And so it doesn't matter what they think of Scoggins. It doesn't matter what they say. The only thing that matters today is let Jesus Christ be magnified. Let him be exalted. And we have to constantly be dying. I have to, in other ways, die to sin on a constant basis. In Romans 8, it says, if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. So you've got to do it by the Spirit, put to death those sins that are got a stranglehold on you. But here's the reason why we do it. If we die with him, we live with him. I heard somebody say most Baptists have enough religion to bug them, not bless them. <laughs> I think there's something to that. It's not till you cross the line and say, you've got me, that the power really comes. Uh, George Mueller, great man of God, he was the one that took care of 4,000 orphans and trusted God through prayer to provide for their needs. He was asked, what's the secret to your life? And I love his quote. He said, there was a day I died. I died to George Mueller, to my plans and desires. I decided to live only for Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you this right now. If you decide to die today to yourself and live to Christ, that's when you'll start living. That's when you'll know the abundant life that Christ has. Well, that's my first truth. The next ones I will go a little quicker on. So we've got three more, three more truths. Truth number two. We Christians are going to be busy for all eternity. We Christians are going to be busy for all eternity. That next stanza in this hymn is this. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Now, I don't know what that means. I just know it says that if I'm faithful to him, that when he reigns on the throne, I'll be reigning with him. And I'll just let him figure out how that works. But, but let me explain something here real quickly. If heaven were a place where you sit on a cloud and strum a harp, I would go crazy. I, I, I'm not one who can sit still. Y'all figured that out, haven't you? I'm, I was ADD before they came up with ADD. And so if I've got to sit there in heaven and just strum, but, but I want to give you some, some good news. Look at Revelations 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. Somehow, when we get into eternity, we serve him probably in greater ways than we can ever imagine. Heaven's not sitting there on a cloud. It's the privilege of serving him in more meaningful ways. A lot of people have come up to me since my retirement has been announced and said, I know you're looking forward to finally getting to relax, sitting down, get to watch what you want to watch, go play golf. I've heard all kinds of great suggestions. Folks, I would die if that was what I was going to do in retirement. I'm not planning on sitting still. Now, my heart has given me some limitations, but I'm so excited about the next season of what I've got to do to serve God as long as he gives me breath. The personnel committee has asked me to continue in a small part-time position here to visit hospitals and to teach on Wednesday night, things like that. I'm going to do that. But I've been seeking God, and I've got so fired up. God is giving me a plan to go help pastors. I'm in the middle of writing some new material that I believe will be helpful to pastors and passing that on. And I'm, as long as I have breath, I want to serve the Lord. I love serving God here. We've got a church that has a lot of people who came here and retired. And you know what? Your life is even more meaningful now in your retirement because you've found so many ways to serve the Lord here. Uh, you, you, you're, you're doing things that you never thought you would be able to do. And you can do that. 
Heaven's going to have everything we love here and it'll be better. And service is great here. It's going to be better there. Number Number three, there is no such thing as a secret Christian. There is no such thing as a secret Christian. In chapter two, verse 12, there's another line of this song. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Sobering words. The Christian life properly begins when a person confesses with their lips that Jesus is their Lord. I'll I'll prove this to you from scripture. Look at Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. You're to stand up and identify yourself and say, he is my Lord. He is my savior. I confess him with my lips. But can I tell you what I've seen through the years? I grew up in a different day when we had the evangelists that would come by and give the invitations and they knew how to get people to make their decisions. And one of the things I heard over and over again was, while the music's being played and every eye's closed and no one looking around, if you'd like to trust Christ right now, would you feebly raise your hand so nobody will know you're raising it and we'll let you accept Christ right now secretly while every eye is closed. Where's that in the Bible? I think it would be better if you said, I want everybody to open your eyes right now and be willing to look around. Now, if anybody right now is ready to stand up for Jesus, everybody's looking, stand up and do it right now. Confess him as your Lord because you've got to be open and public about your allegiance to Jesus. Now, let me give you a qualification here. When he says, if we deny him, he'll deny us. We're not talking about temporary denials because all of us have been silent when we should have been vocal for Jesus. There have been times when we have been cowered by a situation where we've, where we've almost maybe even did it, denied that we were a Christian. I, I did that even after I'd started following Christ once. But I want to tell you something, Peter did too, didn't he? He was there outside the place where Jesus was on trial. And they said, you're one of his three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then Jesus saw him. He went away weeping bitterly. But, but Jesus didn't wash his hands of him because this is what happened. 50 days later, he stood up in the middle of Jerusalem on Pentecost Day, preached to thousands and said, you killed Christ. God raised him. It's time to make him Lord. And, and so we're not talking about a temporary failure. We're talking about somebody who says, I know what the Bible says about Jesus. I know that he's the one that died, took care of my sins, rose again. I know all that's true, but I want no part of it. And I'm definitively walking away from it. I'm denying the one who died and rose again. If you do that, there is no hope for you. If you deny him, he will deny you. In fact, I can tell you the exact words you're going to hear when you stand before God. If you walk up to the gospel and walk away and say, I don't want Christ, When you stand before him, Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And oh, those will be hard words to hear. Now the fourth truth, the last truth today is this. Others may fail you, but Christ is always faithful. I love this last stanza of this song. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And and I want to share this with you because you need to hear this point. Please listen to me. If you've lived long enough, if you've been in church long enough, if you've read news about Christians long enough, 
You will have had some blows that have hurt your spiritual life because someone you looked up to, someone who impacted your life, was exposed as a hypocrite or did something that was destructive. Right now in Southern Baptist life, we're having some of the ones that we considered heroes that are being exposed with darkness in their lives. But folks, what we've got to do is we've got to learn this lesson that the only way you're going to go on and survive the Christian life is if you, instead of focusing on people, you put your focus on Jesus. People fail you. Jesus never fails you. I had a young man that basically discipled me. Uh, he, he was a senior. I was a ninth grader when I became a Christian. Uh, when he was preaching all over the Macon, Georgia area. He would get me, he said, get your guitar. And I'd take my guitar and I would do the music and he'd do the preaching. Uh, he would pick me up because I didn't have a driver's license and take me to the weekly meeting. And we would go to the meeting. Then afterwards, on our way home, we'd pull into a church parking lot and we'd spend 30 minutes just getting a hold of God in prayer in his car. I mean, this guy impacted my life. He went on to the University of Georgia and was elected to be the student leader for Campus Crusade for Christ there. The summer before he went back to his junior year, he was leading a Bible study in Macon back home and I was in that study and he said, what if I were to come in and tell you that none of this is true? That, that I don't believe a bit of it. Would that shake your faith? And I looked and said, Robbie, what you do? He said, what if I were to do that? And I said, Robbie, I didn't put my faith in you. I put my faith in Jesus. The first week he was back on campus, he stood up in the campus crusade meeting and he said, I don't believe any of this. And he walked away and to my knowledge, he never came back. That devastated Macon, Georgia, because he was looked up to by so many people. But what it did was it made me and others say, was my faith in a person or was my faith in Jesus? When we left here in 2001 to go to Opelika, we had an, a, a wonderful music minister named John Leland. Uh, John was fun to be around and godly. And he loved people. A great music program there. Come July, I came in May, come July, he was diagnosed with a terminal case of pancreatic cancer and he lived four months to the day after his diagnosis. We begged him, John, you've got a short time. Can we send you to Hawaii? <laughs> He'd been there since the 70s. Uh, is there people you need to go visit and see? No, no, pastor, I just want to be here. I want the privilege of leading people into the presence of God. Never once on a Sunday did he mention his cancer. He just led us in worship. And when he died, I said at his funeral, you've had preachers tell you how to live, but you just heard a sermon from John in the way, teaching you how to die. But can I tell you what made John Leland so extraordinary? His father was an evangelist, not a well-known one, but an evangelist that went to Baptist churches and did the revival meetings. His father left him when he was a boy and left his mother because he'd been unfaithful to his wife and just lived a life where he was, had a dark side privately while he was preaching every Sunday. And John didn't see his daddy for decades. God called him in the ministry. He lived that faithfully when he had a father like that. And what John had come to is John had come to the conclusion that even though my earthly father was faithless, my Savior is faithful. And he stayed true to him until he walked into his presence and saw him with his own eyes. 
Now we've looked at a lot of good truths today and I just pray that the Holy Spirit will apply to your life. Do you need to die today in a specific way? Maybe you've never declared Jesus as Lord of your heart and settled your salvation. Do you need to come to the point where you're going to own up about it? You're going to be public and vocal. Are you coming to the point now where you'll get your eyes off people and look at Jesus? Are you excited about an eternity where you get to continue serving him because you're enjoying serving him now, you get to continue serving him. I hope these truths have blessed your heart. Will you pray with me about that now? Oh Lord, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would stir us up to love you more, to be more faithful. Jesus, you are worthy of our trust and we put our faith in you again. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.